But I want to start this year off with a message called Seven Ups for 2013. Seven Ups. Now let me tell you what those ups are. Amen. You're going to want to be in church. If I could do a court order for all of you to be in church, every service this year I would do it. Seven Ups. Number one is wake up. Number two is dress up. Number three is shut up. Number four is stand up. Number five is look up. Number six is reach up. And number seven is lift up. As I was discussing this with Pastor Brenda the other day, she says, is cheer up in there? I said, it's not, but it is now. And uh, we may just have her preach that sometime. Number one. This morning, we're going to talk about wake up. I want to encourage you as your pastor to begin every day with the Lord in 2013. It is His day, and we are to rejoice in the day that the Lord has made. The psalmist said in Psalm 57 and verse 8, he said, Awake up my glory, awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. Now I read after Adam Clark, who is a great commentator, he's with Jesus now, but he said this, if we read my glory, it's, he says it may either refer to his tongue or which is more likely to his skill and composition and in playing on different instruments. David was in fact the psalmist of Israel. But the Bible says that you and I are to sing psalms and spiritual songs unto the Lord. And I like what Adam Clark says, glory may very well mean my tongue. So how many of you know that in the morning you got to get your tongue moving? you got to lift up your voice to God. It's like from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the mighty name of Jesus is to be praised. Make your tongue do its duty. Read scripture in the morning. Praise him in the morning. Stir yourself up in the morning every day. Psalm 63, 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee. In a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. I want you to pay particular attention to this. That he says, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to seek you. I'm hungering and I'm thirsting after you. Understand this, that when you put Jesus at the top of your day, it just seems as if the day goes his way. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to face any difficulties in the day, but those difficulties that we face during the day are from a perspective of we've been in the presence of the Lord and we are ready to face any difficulty because in him we are more than conquerors. So early will I seek thee. Look at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34 uh, in the message translation. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34 says, 
Blessed the man and blessed the woman who listens to me. Awake and ready for me every morning. Alert and responsive as I start my day's work. When you find me, you find life, real life, to say nothing of God's good pleasure. Again, we are exhorted in the word of God to be awake and listening and watchful, worshiping and praising the Lord. Everyone say, wake up. And so we see several instructions throughout the word of God that exhorts us, admonishes us to wake up. The next one that I want to look at is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34. And I want you to keep that up here for a moment because we're going to work with this. He says, awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness. What this is saying to me is this. That we are to wake up to who we are in Christ Jesus. In other words, there needs to be an awakening in the church to the redemptive revelations of who we are, what we have, and what we can do in and through Christ Jesus. He says, wake up to this fact that God sent His only begotten Son and that His only begotten Son hung on the cross and was made sin for us. And as a result of him taking our sin, we take on his righteousness. You see, he didn't know any sin. But the Bible says, him who know no sin was made to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What that literally means is this, is when you wake up to the fact that you have right standing with Almighty God, that you are not who you used to be, that you are a new creation in Him, that you can before go before the throne of grace without a sense of guilt, fear, or inferiority, just like sin never existed before. When you awake to that fact, sin will no longer have dominion over you. Because you've been so saturated in the presence of God. You've been so filled with the revelation knowledge of God's word that you just don't want to sin no more. When sin presents itself to you, you'll rise up and say, no, Mr. Devil, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you can't put on me what was put on him. Woo, glory to God. Now notice this. Awake to righteousness. Awake to who you are in him and sin not. Now notice this next part of this verse. For some have not the knowledge of God. And then he says, I speak this to your shame. Now, I believe what Paul is getting at is this. Without knowledge, because of a lack of knowledge... My people are destroyed. Because of a lack of knowledge, he says, my people have gone into captivity. And he says, it shouldn't be that way. You should know who you are by now. You should awake to the fact of who you are in me. You see, Christians by the millions 
walk around with sin consciousness. They walk around with this attitude. Well, you know, brother, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, it's true. We were old sinners, but we got saved by grace. And now we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Too many Christians are walking around with their insecurities hanging out. Talking about what they used to do and what they used to, what, what parties they used to go to and how they used to, you know, do this and do that. Look at it. It don't matter what you used to do. What matters is who you is right now. And I found a verse of scripture in the Bible as he is. So are we in this world. So we need to let go of our insecurities. We need to let go of our past. We need to let go of all that condemnation. Keith Moore says that condemnation is the confidence killer. It will kill your confidence. But when you wake up in 2013, I mean when you really wake up, when it dawns on your spirit that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, condemnation, inferiority, insecurity, all that junk will be a thing of the past. Now, some of you need to work on that. Some of you need to really get your nose in the word this year and look at scriptures in Christ, in whom, and develop faith in what you are and who you are in him. Everyone say, wake up. Wake up up to righteousness and you will not sin. Now, thirdly, We are instructed in this day and in this hour not to be asleep at the wheel. Not to be going through life with our eyes closed. Now I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. Are you ready? So Mrs. you've given us a lot of scripture already, almost too much. Well, you've had too much to eat the last week. You've had too much TV, some of you. How about too much of God? I want us to look at these verses of Scripture. We're instructed to be awake, to be alert. Awake to what God is doing in our individual lives. Awake to what God is doing in the earth today. Look with me at Romans chapter 13. And notice with me verses 11 through 14. Romans 13 verses 11 through 14 in the message translation says this. But make sure... That you don't get absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. He said in the next verse, the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God, what are you doing in my life? God, what are you doing in my family? What are you doing through your church? You know, God's up to something. But in order to be informed on what he's up to, we can't be sleepy. We can't be drowsy. And so it says there, be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when, he, when we first believed. How many of you know we're under construction? Yeah. 
And he who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now notice this next part. We cannot afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed! Get out of bed! That's a good word for a lot of Christians in the Bay Area today. Get out of bed! Get to church! That's a good word for slumbering Christians who are just kind of going through life asleep. Get out of bed. Wake up. Get dressed. Listen to this. Don't don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. I love this. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. Dress yourself in Christ. Put on the whole armor of God. Dress yourself in Christ. Stir yourselves up. Now look at Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 14 through 17. Everyone say, wake up. Wake up. Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. I was driving along the road one time with Brother Keith Moore years ago when he lived in Tulsa. And he said something out of the blue. It was kind of quiet in the car. He was taking me back to my hotel. And Brother Moore said, Brother Mark, he says, most people in the world are asleep. Most people, the living dead. And then he paused a moment, but he said, but not you and me. We're awake. You just never mind about what most people are doing. And you mind your own backyard. If your brother's asleep over there, your sister's asleep over there, you make sure that you're awake and that you're alert. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 through 17, he says, Therefore, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. He will make day dawn upon you, and he will give you light. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, and intelligent people. Now, you look like to me that you're wise. I didn't say you're wise, guys. You look like to me that you have the wisdom of God in your life. Because Jesus has been made unto you wisdom. And I'm looking over the congregation, and this looks like an intelligent bunch. And I'm looking over here, and I'm seeing people that are sensible. Boy, you'd think you'd get more agreement in that than you'd get. (laughs) Say it with me by faith. I'm wise. I'm sensible. And I have the mind of Christ. Now notice this. He says, act that way. And then he goes on to say... Here's how wise and sensible and intelligent people will act. Verse 16. Those people will make the very most of the time and they will buy up each opportunity because the days are evil. You mark it down. In the year 2013, God will give you 
opportunities. There will be God-given opportunities come your way. But you'll never recognize them if you're asleep. God-given opportunities are all around us. In the United States, we live in the land of opportunity. That's naturally speaking. But in the kingdom of God, you talk about a promised land filled with opportunities. I encourage you as your pastor this year, stay awake. Be alert. Look for those God-given opportunities. And when you see them, seize them. Walk through that door of opportunity. Now notice. He said, therefore, do not be vague or thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firming grasply what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Okay, number one, we've talked about be awake, be a praiser, be in the word. Number two, we've talked about awaking to righteousness. And number three, we're talking about being alert, knowing the time and the day and the hour in which we live. Knowing what God is up to. What's he up to in your life? What's God up to in your family? What's God up to in your life? What is he saying to you? What is he wanting to do in you? So that he can do something great through you. See the context of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Is that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. Now I know that 200 years ago they thought he was coming soon. And I know that 100 years ago they thought he was coming soon. But you need to understand that soon with the Lord is not the same as soon with you. You know, if I said to Pastor Chris, if we were going to go to a Warriors game, and I said, well, I'll pick you up at your home, and, I, and he would ask me the question, when are you coming? I'm coming soon. Well, if two months pass by, <laughs> Brother Chris would be wondering, what's wrong with Pastor Mark? He said he was coming soon. So coming soon in the natural is different than coming soon in the spirit. Because a one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. But mark it down, my brothers and sisters, he's a coming, and he's coming soon. He's going to split the eastern sky. The prophecies are lining up, and he is coming soon. Soon and very soon. You and I are going to see him. And when we see him, hallelujah, we'll be just like him. <laughs> hallelujah. So that's the context. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And I'm going to read this from the message. Verse 1. He said, I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question when all this is going to happen. He says, you know as well as I that the day of the master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. He will not call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we sure got it made. Now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly 
and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. How many of you women know what that feels like? I'm glad I'm not a woman. Now in the next verse it says, But friends, you are not in the dark. Look at your neighbor and say, You're not in the dark. So it says, Friends, you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You are sons of light. You are daughters of the day. We live under open skies and know where we stand. I'm living under an open heaven. And he says, so let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Anybody ever walked in their sleep? People who sleepwalk sometimes do things they shouldn't do, go places they shouldn't go. That's naturally. Well, spiritually, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or unbeliever. If you're going through this life sleepwalking with your eyes closed, you'll end up in some places you ought not to be going to. You'll be doing some things you ought not to be doing. He says, you're children of the day. You're daughters of the day. And he says, don't sleepwalk. Don't sleepwalk through life like others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. He said, people sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. Let's walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, dressed up in love, and dressed up in the hope of our salvation. See, our first point was wake up. Our second is dress up. Dressed up in faith. And so we are encouraged in the Word of God to be alert, not wasting time. You know, we're not always going to be doing this at 24800 Asperian Boulevard. I said that when we were at 20450 Royal Avenue. And I also said that when we were at 15225 Wicks Boulevard. And I also said that when we were on Fargo Avenue, we're not always going to be together like this. There is soon and very soon coming a grand uniting of the family of heaven and on earth. And in this little sliver of time that we have left, somebody says, do you believe this is the last generation? I don't know, but I know it's our last generation. <laughs> You're not going to live forever. So in this little sliver of time, we should not be vague. If there ever was a time for you to do what's in your heart to do, it's now. If there ever was a time to forgive and to let go, it's now. If there ever was a time to walk in the vision that you believe that God has given you, it is right now. If there was ever a time to serve Him, it's right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow Christians always put off in the future what God says, do today. Don't leave this earth with regrets. Well, I would have witnessed if I would have had more time. Make the time. I would have, I would have served at the church if I just had a little more time. Make the time. Listen, friends. There is enough time for everybody to do the will of God. I know I'm preaching good now. I'm going to tell you right now, there's enough time for you to do the will of God. There's not enough time for you to be lollygagging about. There's not enough time to be pursuing trivial pursuits. 
There's not enough time left on this calendar. There's not enough time in a day to be wasting time doing things that don't matter. Pastor, I just don't have time to read the Word. But you have time to watch two hours of television. And all the time, that telly is giving you a vision. And some of the visions that telly gives ain't God. And ain't good. Oh, somebody help the preacher today. Well, I don't have time. I don't have time to serve the church. I live too far away. Yeah, but you have time to go to soccer practice. You have time to serve on the PTA. Yeah, but that's the PTA. The PTA don't have nothing on God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the local church. All right. (laughs) Buy up the opportunities. Buy them up. I've seen this happen over and over again in my life. Brenda and I have been in ministry for 35 years. We've been married for 35 years. And we have seen people sow their seed into the kingdom of God with the spirit of faithfulness. And God just take their life and promote them and promote them and increase them and increase them. Just, we've seen it happen so many times. Wow. God is good. But you cannot wait to be up here if you're not willing to be down here. See, we serve an upside-down kingdom. If you want to go up, you've got to go down. Jesus didn't come into this earth to be ministered to. He came to be a minister and to serve. You and I have been saved to serve. The most important things in this life are eternal. What you do in the natural realm down here can have an eternal value that will last for years and years. And so let's be alert. Let's not waste the time. I like what Jesus said to those guys at the wedding. Whatever he says unto you, whatever he says unto you, That's a little better. One more time. Whatever he says unto you, do it. Do it. Do it. I'm thinking of Rocky Balboa in Russia training to fight that great big guy from Russia. And his trainer looks at him. He says, Rocky, you know you're going to have to go through hell. Almost felt good to say that in church. (laughs) You're going to have to go through hell in your training. He says, but I know at the end of the day, you'll be the one standing. And then he says, get out there and train. He said, do it. Do it. Listen, folks. There's not the blessings for the hearers. There's not the blessing for the Bible toters. The seminar goers. The radio listeners. The blessing is for doers. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. 
For he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Listen, friends, you got some time left. Whatever he says, do you do it? Now, lastly, everyone say, wake up. Now, lastly, this is so important. Turn with me quickly to First Thessalonians chapter 4. No, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The next one that I want to exhort you in at the head of this year is to be alert and to be awake in prayer. Everyone say, awake in prayer. In First Peter 4, 7, it says this. Let's read it together. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Now keep that out there for a moment. It's about to be wrapped up. Don't take anything for granted. But stay wide awake in prayer. Stay wide awake in prayer. How many of you remember over there in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus Christ was about to give his life on Calvary's cross? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Literally, the word Gethsemane means the place of the press. Gethsemane was a place where they would take olives and they would press the olives. Brenda and I were there. They would press the olives so that they would get every last drop of oil out of the olive. And Jesus, knowing what he was facing, going to face on Calvary's cross, the Bible says he was pressed in his spirit. He was so pressed in his spirit that he literally began to sweat blood drops. That's how excruciating the thought was for him to bear the sin, the sickness, all of the junk that the whole world has ever done. And so he had, throughout the years, developed a relationship with 12 guys. Some of them were fishers. Some of them were tax collectors. And he mentored them for three and a half years. And he modeled for them the laws and the principles of the kingdom. And if there was ever a time that he needed people to join with him and to stand with him, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus is there praying in the garden, and then his 12 disciples are like... (sighs) They're not alert. They're not awake. Now, if Jesus back then needed his disciples praying... Jesus today at the right hand of the Father as our great intercessor needs his body praying. Now notice with me in Mark chapter 14 verse 38. I'm going to read it to you from the easy to read translation. Here's what Jesus said to them. He said, stay awake and pray for strength against temptation. He says, your spirit wants to do what is right. But your body is weak. One translation says, pray that you enter not into what? What was the temptation for them? The temptation for them was to fall out. To be asleep. 
What's the temptation for us? I mean, we might as well be honest about it. The temptation for us is not to pray. The temptation for us is just to kind of go through the motions. Let the women pray. Let a few men pray when they come to church. Me pray? Yes, you pray. You pray. Your prayer in 2013 can make a difference in this nation. Your prayer life in 2013 can make a difference in your family. In your life. And so the last wake up we want to look at is stir up yourself in prayer. Now notice with me in closing, 2 Timothy 1.6. And I want us to look at the Amplified Version. Everyone say, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou wake up. You stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He says, church, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, keep burning, stay awake. Because there are things that are to be accomplished individually in your life, corporately in the church, and in the nation and in this world. Now listen very carefully. Jesus said, could you not watch for me one hour? He says, pray earnestly. And as a result of you praying earnestly, you will not enter into temptation. I submit to you that every one of us in this auditorium are going to be tempted. Are we not? You're going to be tempted. I'm going to be tried. We're all going to be tested. Every one of us. Now, what's a temptation for you isn't necessarily a temptation for me. And vice versa. But all of us are going to be tempted. And I believe that one of the reasons why so many of us fall into that temptation and yield to that temptation again and again and again is because we have prayerless lives. Are you listening to me? And I include myself in that. Prayerless lives opens the door for temptation. But a life that is stirred up, a life that is awake, a life that is awoken to righteousness and is aware of what time it is and is prayed up, when temptation comes, it will not prevail. But you will overcome all temptations by the Word of God. How many of you know that it's not a sin to be tempted? But it is a sin to yield to temptation. Let no man say when he's tempted. I'm tempted, I'm tested, I'm tried of God. For no man ever faced a temptation that God wasn't able to help you through it and to overcome it. Our first up for 2013 is what? Our second up is what? Dress up. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now listen, this kind of a message calls for a commitment. This kind of a message calls for an answer from the people that have heard it. For once you hear the word, you're responsible to act on the word. 
I'm going to give you that opportunity to act on his word today. Amen? Amen. Say it me, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. 